0: Welcome to the HSCT Warriors podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of Meaningful Conversations and convener of community. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. Good morning. Good morning. Is your Monday off to a good start? It is. Is yours? Yeah, you know, although I have to say I did not sleep last night.
1: I know why. The full moon, right? will know the anticipation of talking to me today. Oh,
0: yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely that.
1: I I don't I don't sleep good any night. I never really sleep good and I don't know if I have poison ivy or if something bit me, but I have like three little three or four little marks on my um, right arm so whatever the heck is going on I think it's sympathy pains because my friend Anna has them all down her leg and she has like cellulitis from the bites oh my goodness yeah so we're we're twinsies with our bites it's funny I had a post come up today you know how you get the Facebook memories oh yeah so I had a Facebook memory come up today and so I was reading this Facebook memory and I'm going to put my my glasses on which who knows where I stuck them um It says, today's a better day. The vomiting has stopped and the horrible bone and muscle pain feels better. I went upstairs in the hotel and took in a little sunshine. I'm trying to take things in steps and that was step one. I have step two this weekend, starting Neupogen injections. Then three is to put that yucky catheter in my neck and harvest the cells. I can come home for a week after that, thank God. And that was July 15th, 2010. Amazing. Yeah. So reading that, that you know, and I, cause I was never on Facebook before. And so I started sure. Facebook as a way to connect with my high school friends who gave me support because there was no GoFundMe then; there was nothing like that. No. I mean, it's, it's it's so funny how the world has changed in such a short, so, short time. Yeah, so and quick. how social media, you know. Um, so it was funny when my masses came back because I got you know I got sick so young. I was only. 27 my immune system started failing and in 28 by the time i was 28 these masses were literally pushing through my skull and oh my goodness at that point you know i i mean i lost my business i you know i lost pretty much everything and my high school friends we had a a, a pretty nice class of friends they just c- came together and threw a fundraiser for me amazing and it, it it was nothing even planned, nothing that I had anything to do with. They're like, "Oh my God, Carrie's sick. Let's have a fundraiser, and she's going to have this this stem cell transplant, and let's do something." And they did, and it was it was amazing.
0: It's fantastic just to know you're supported
1: by those. You know, yeah, yeah, because the community. You know, we it's it's funny. Medina has grown a lot, but we still have a very small, I guess, town mentality. Sure, where. You know the people who have grown up here and know each other. We all have each other's back. You know, if one of my friends from high school has cancer, we start a meal train. We start to go find me. We tr- always try to help each other. And it's been—I've been really lucky to have maintained those relationships in school. Even if we didn't know the person very well, we do it for them.
0: Well, yeah, it's that small town
1: community feel, right? Showing yeah, up and- for each other right and we try to give back and support and um just help them that's you know and my passion is animals you know i so the one girl who helped me through one of my um my fundraisers she has an animal rescue and i made sure and it, it about killed me but i made sure because i'm a good salesperson i went out and i got tons of donations for her and my friend who owns salon Evangelina Medina we put on a huge fundraiser for her and I handed her seven grand and I'm like, you know what? This is for you. This is for your animals. And that made me feel great because I was able to do something for her. Isn't it
0: amazing how good
1: you feel? Yep. I felt great because when you help others, I I think I was in bed for a month afterwards, but (laughs) I felt good doing it. Well, yeah. Just that
0: (laughs) intrinsic reward and motivation, right? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I felt, I felt great. So yeah. Wonderful. And I'm sure yeah. she appreciates it very much. She did. Good, good people. Just good people. So, so let's introduce the good person I'm talking with today. Carrie Huff, thank you so much for agreeing to share your story with us uh, to well, help us kick off season three of the podcast. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us more about how you even came to find out about HSCT because, like you're saying, there was no Facebook. There were no there,
1: Yeah, there really wasn't. Um, and when I got sick, it was a very strange occurrence. Um, I guess I was born with an Ig disorder. I did not know I had an IgA disorder. I guess a lot of people do have, you know, IgA disorders or um, immune disorders that go undiagnosed, and I was someone who worked outside. I, at the time I had trained racehorses. I was living in Ontario, Canada, and I decided, Hey, I miss my family. I'm from Ohio and I want to come back home. So I was taking some courses in Canada. I was training my horses and I was actually looking into um, medicine. I I was thinking about uh, medical school to become a vet. Mm. And I had come back home and I was working as a salesperson, and I thought, well, uh, my dad wasn't feeling good. I came home to see him one day, I got into a bad car accident, and the weirdest thing happened that day I, I I was really tore up, and I found a massotherapist that helped me. Well, make a long story short, I became a massotherapist. I went through a divorce, I had changed my whole vision in my life um, after I went through my divorce, I, I kind of had to get rid of all my horses because I couldn't afford them right. and I was going to school and I was working, um, with Victoria's secret and I became a therapist. Well, I had something go wrong with the tooth and it didn't feel good. And I had a root canal and I, I kept telling the doctor, I said, Hey, you know, I don't feel good. Um, he's like, well, there's another canal in this tooth. It was an upper tooth and any upper tooth, you know, upper molar is very close to a sinus canal. He sent me to a specialist. Well, four times they dug into this tooth and
0: Which did not is, feel well.
1: No, that's yeah, miserable I, I, in and of itself. I, and I didn't feel well. The thing was, I was not feeling well. And at this point, I'm working, you know, I'm building a practice. I'm trying to like, just keep going with my life. Well, you know, months into this, I'm, I'm still on antibiotics. I'm not feeling good. And I kept going back to the doctor with within a year. this is going on still, and he 's like, "Listen, stop coming in you 're fine and i 'm like i don 't think i 'm fine. oh no, yeah. well, at this point, I started peeing blood, and things started traveling down, and my urethra shut down and then I started developing a series of mouth sores where i couldn 't eat anything i couldn 't put White foods in my mouth, breads. I couldn't put anything that had a pesticide on it. Anything, grapes, um, fruit, anything I was eating was burning holes in my mouth, my mm-hmm. digestive tract. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I sat there and I'm like, "What's what's happening to me?" And then I started running high fevers. And I'm like, "What, Wait, what's happening to me?" I'm a healthy person. I would get bronchitis maybe once or twice a year because I did work outside. I didn't know I had these Ig disorder problems, anyways. Having a a small disorder that you don't know you have, and then you have an infected tooth that went, the the dentist had sealed the tooth, he filled it, and he said the root canal was complete, but what he did was underfill it. And the tooth kept festering. And when the (laughs) tooth, when the tooth festered, it ended up causing a systemic infection. Oh my goodness. So systemically, my body started shutting down. I I started running 104 degree fevers and I'm going to work. I'm like, I have to work. I have, you know, I had gone through a divorce. I have a house to support. I have a, you know, my dogs, my house. I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, within that year period of my immune system failing and I'm going to work, then I started developing these severe, severe headaches. And I would... Wake up in the morning and I would have such a severe headache. I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what's happening to me?" and and I would just I would be in tears. But I would get up and I would go to work. And I don't know how you. Do then that. I, I it was the you know I was very type A. I couldn't miss work. Literally, I would work. I would work on a client, come home, cut my grass, go back to work. And then I started looking at my hands and I wouldn't know how to ambulate them. I would be like, Oh my God, my, my hands aren't working. I'm like, what's wrong. And at the place I worked, um, I would take the sheets off my table and be wanting to set up, you know, for another massage. And I wouldn't know what I was doing. I would be standing there and the girls are like, Carrie, what's wrong. And I'd be like, I'd be angry. And I'd be like, um, I I have to leave because i didn't know how to use my hands. And the one time I sat in my car and I tried to put the keys in the ignition and I didn't know where the ignition was. Oh. And so here I am thinking, am I going crazy? You know, am I losing my mind? Right. And that's, that had gone through my mind quite a bit, but I knew I was sick. And I knew with a lot of the medical classes I had taken and then going the route of massotherapy, I knew a lot about medicine and I thought, you know what, there's, there's something seriously wrong. So in my mind and I'm going to my books and I'm online, I'm thinking, well, I'm having many strokes. I have a brain tumor or I have MS. So I went to my family doctor and I said, listen, I said, I think I need you to send me to a neurologist, you know, and and I'm young and I'm not like just going over his head, going to a neurologist. Right. But how old were you at the time? I was, um, I had just turned 28. Wow. And he's like, Oh, there's nothing wrong. Look at you, you know, you know how to touch your nose. You can walk a straight line. Um, and the thing is, these were such intermittent things, but they were happening a lot and a lot more frequent. He sent me home. Mm. Well, you know, at this point I wouldn't even sleep in my bed because I was terrified. You know, I was sleeping on the couch next to my phone. Um, because I would have these choking sensations at night. Um, I called the emergency department and they're telling me I'm having anxiety attacks. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, these people are crazy. So I started calling and I didn't, the the thing was about this. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my family or my friends. And they're like, why are you like asking us to stick around more? You know, because I was always the person who hosted things. And they're like, why are you asking us to come to work with you? Or why are you asking us to hang out more i'm like well i don't feel good and then i said something to my dad and my dad's like you got lost today he's like you get your butt on the phone and i'm like i i am dad and i said the doctor sent me home and i i just started looking through the phone book And I started calling neurologists and they were like, oh, we can get you in in three months. And I'm like, I don't think I have, I'm like, I don't have three months. I think I'm going to die. That waiting period is ridiculous. I found a doctor in Parma, his name is Dr. Hugelon. And the nurse who answered was fabulous. And she's like, I don't like what you're saying. She goes, I want you to come in. And I did. I came in that week and I talked to the doctor and he's like, I think you're getting a, a type of cluster headache, yada, yada, yada. He goes, I want you to take this medicine and come back in a week. And I said, listen, if I come back in a week and this is happening, I said, can you please put me in an MRI? I said, I think I'm going to die. And the week I came back to see him, um, I was in tears and I actually got on my hands and knees. I got on my hands and knees and I looked at him. I said, I'm dying. I said, please, please put me into an MRI. Oh my goodness. The next day he had that set up for me and I went to Parma Hospital. It was very <laughs> cathartic for me because... I remember driving to the hospital myself, you know, I drove and they put me in the MRI and I'm like, okay, this is supposed to be an hour. And I'm like, I'm like, so type A, I, I know the time that's taking, I'm, I'm like an hour and a half. I'm in this thing and I'm like, wow, why is this taking so long? Like, There's something wrong. I know it. Well, then I get out of the MRI and I see the technician. She has tears in her eyes and I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Um, next thing I know, they walk me out of the room and they say, Hey, the doctor's here to see you. Good. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, Oh no, 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 at, le- at least you know? they showed up this time. Well, the thing is they walk me down a hall and there's a team of actors standing there and they're like, we need to admit you. Um, you don't have one mass. You have three and they're coming out of the right side oh. of your head. We think you are down to like days and um, we need to have brain. You need to have brain surgery immediately. Wow. They had me fill out my will, my, you know, power of attorney. I had to have people come in and sign everything. Um, within three days after a million tests, they had me Cleveland clinic. The person who did gamma knife at the time was out of town. They had me shipped to university on an emergency basis. So I had a 10 hour brain surgery. Um, oh my at that time they did not know anything about, um, tumor factor, multiple sclerosis. Um, they chopped me open, um, There were two masses, three masses, actually parietal, temporal, and occipital. Um, And it's funny, they all followed the track of the tooth. The tooth was right above the first mass. The second one followed straight back. And the third one was straight back from that. Oh, my goodness. The first question that was asked, did you have bad dental work? And I said, yes. I said, I know I did. Very bad dental work. And, you know, to make the long story short, it took um, a year after that. And my whole upper jaw was cut open. And the infection was so severe. They said, we don't know how you managed to make it from this because the, the dental infection was so bad that they had to cut all the nerves in my upper jaw, do an apicoectomy. Um, the tooth by right should have killed me. Wow. And when, to, then I found out I was pregnant. Okay. Oh my goodness. I, I get out of brain surgery. I am so sick. Um, I'm walking with a cane. I don't know how to tie my shoes. I find out I'm pregnant and you know, you're on a lot of medicine. They, they told me to terminate. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not terminating. I'm thinking I'm not doing that. The masses were very big. Um, I was on a lot of steroids. You know, I spent a lot of time in the hospital. I went through the pregnancy and I said, well, if it's meant to be, I'm going to have the child. If it's not, then we can both die. I was, I had made peace with that at that point, but, I had lost a child years ago and I thought, you know, to miscarriage. And I thought, well, if God willing, I'm going to have this baby. And ended up the link with estriol in third trimester came because my masses started shrinking immensely when I hit third trimester. Wow. And then they started linking estriol with third trimester hormones. I started seizing at that point and I was life flighted and I had my son a month early and spent a month at Akron city. Now I did have my son. Um, you know, he's, he's 18 now, wow. but when, you know, to make that, you know, it, for me, I thought, Oh my God, these masses are shrinking. But again, I had no diagnosis. There was no tumor factor diagnosis. They're telling me at Cleveland clinic, you know, cause I had switched to Cleveland clinic after university hospital. Um, I just did not care for my treatment there. And the brain tumor specialist I saw at uh, Cleveland Clinic, he's like, God, I just don't know what this is. We're hoping it's a one-time thing. But my immune system kept falling apart. Yeah. I, de- I developed Sjogren's. I developed Hashimoto's. I developed um, severe fibromyalgia. I developed um, chronic fevers every day. So I was so fatigued. the the headaches were severe. I was just so sick for that 10 year period leading up to my transplant. Well, I should say eight years, um, that I was like, what is wrong with me? You know? And, and there was no treatment. I was on Neurontin. I was on Topamax, um, just things to kind of keep me alive. Band-aids. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was trying to raise my son and I just did not, did not feel well. I still had sores in my mouth. Um, I went to, I had almost 300 appointments a year. Um, there was sometimes three and four a day. I can imagine. And that, that went on for years. We went to alternative doctors. We went all over the country. I went to dental specialists. I mean, from having every filling removed to having, you know, oh my God, so many different things. Chelation therapy, you name it. I've had it done. Um, a homeopathist literally worked with me at my home every day and healed the sores in my mouth
0: Wonderful. versus
1: Western medicine. Sure. You know so i ended up combining the western and eastern medicine um the acupuncture the massage you know to okay this month i'm i'm taking my my seizure meds but i'm also doing this this and this well then 8 months you know 8 years went by and uh i went to get in my bathtub one day and i'm like oh the water heater's broke well it wasn't um i just had lost all the feeling down my left leg wow There was no temperature reception, no feeling. And um, I'm like, oh God, oh no. And I wasn't feeling well. I was very, very tired. And I went back, you know, I I always followed up with my neurologist and had MRIs, you know, twice a year. I went in for an MRI stat and I had drove home and he goes, Carrie, I need you to come back in. I'm like, "Mm." I said, can you just tell me? And he goes, sit down. (laughs) At this point, he's like family to me. He goes, well, you're old masses have re-enhanced but he said the whole front of your head is a mass and he said you know um your your whole frontal lobe is pushing forward and you could actually see the front of my head was swollen like coming through my forehead and that that's strange because these are like contained in your brain but my my, my head was like pushing forward and my old masses had re-enhanced I had masses all over my brain Mm. and at this point they did not know what to do no um they set me up with another neurosurgeon he was afraid to go back in um cleveland clinic started um plasma and i was in for 10 days with plasma and that failed um so you're on at this point you're on last-ditch efforts to save your life right there i am again filling out you know <laughs> do not resuscitate orders. Oh Cause I, goodness. I don't, I, you know, I want to raise my son. I'm like making, you know, these provisions for my son. I'm getting his trust set up. I'm doing all these things because here I am again. And my again. husband, I mean, that's you know, and you
0: know, right? That yes, again, again again,
1: you know, I and I had my, my husband who I, you know, I had gotten remarried. He was so supportive. You know, he sat at my bedside, you know, my son who I tried to shelter this from, you know, he, you know, was only eight years old, nine years old. And here I am laying there and I'm having this plasma exchange and the masses are growing. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do soon? I'm not even going to be able to be spoken to. Steroids were ineffective. You know, they put me on Copaxone. That did not work at all. Um, (laughs) No, that's one of the most mild, nothing. Yeah. um, Nothing had worked for me. Um, and you know, at this point I've had over 70,000 milligrams of steroids and they were totally ineffective. So for me, I'm laying there and I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm going to die. And the clinic's like, well, we can try chemotherapy. And I'm like, no, we're not going to try chemotherapy. I'm like, I don't even trust you people because you, you have no, they're telling me, well, we don't know what to do. We don't even know what's going on with you. Um, and my doctor at the Cleveland Clinic, who was the head of the Toxic Cancer Center, He was a pediatric brain tumor specialist. His name was Dr. Cohen, not Jeff Cohen. It was Bruce Cohen. Um, He said, I want you to see an immunologist outside of this place. He goes, I don't like our immunology and I wanted IVIG made for you. And they're not doing it. He sent me out of there because I was waiting weeks for IVIG that they wanted to have made for me. Oh my goodness. He sent me to a place um, that I go to now. It's allergy immunology um and i see a dr offer and a dr treshan well it took one day because i'm very iga deficient you have to be real careful making me I, Ig, because it can cause strokes and you know a heart attack things sure, like that risky, blood clots yeah. when you're when you're iga deficient you know i have an i have an ig deficiency but like my son has an igg deficiency which okay a little bit safer than the iga deficiency because you cannot replace iga so I go in for a week of high dose IVIG and the mass has stopped. Wow. And they started shrinking and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, so I'm sitting there kind of flailing thinking, what do I do? And I get online because the Cleveland Clinic's like, you know, I'm like, why can't you, you, know, you want to do chemotherapy, but why can't you do a stem cell transplant? I see you doing it for cancer. I see these things happening. But, and they're like, uh, Carrie, there's no such thing. They're like, there is no such thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I am like I don't believe you. And so I had stayed in touch over the years with this bone marrow network. And I got online with this woman and I asked her, I said, is there, I said, I know that there is stem cell for autoimmune disease. She said, Carrie, there is. And she goes, there's an amazing doctor in Chicago that is helping people. She said, it is worth your phone call. It is worth you at least applying for the study, and so I got online and I said, "Hey, there is someone doing this," and I applied for the study. You know, told them my whole story. I think it was Kate Quigley at the time. Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, I think it was Kim Young as well. I think they were. I think Kat, Kate Quigley was there from the start. Um, and I briefly told them what was happening with me. Um, these masses were in my brain, and I was swiftly turned down. And I'm like, I'm like, no, no way, man. No way. This is like, I I need to live here. I don't know if IVIG is going to keep me alive. I don't know if they're going to even keep me on this. MS is not something they normally routinely do. IVIG every week, you know, every month for, and I'm kind of freaking out. So I searched the internet and I scoured it until I found Dr. Burt's personal email address. And I, I sent him an email and I titled it five minutes. Mm. And I said, um, Dr. Burt, I said, I'm a mother. I said, I'm a wife. I said, I'm a young woman. And I said, I've been battling this for over 10 years now. And I said, um, they think it's something called tumefactive multiple sclerosis. I said, I, you know, I'm just hearing this diagnosis now because I went 10 years with no, no diagnosis. I said, I, you know, they believe it started from a tooth infection that imploded my immune system. Mm and I went into this story. I kept it kind of short. I said, I, I really need a miracle, you know, to save my life. I want to raise my son. Well, the phone rang. Oh, wow. And it it was Dr. Burt. He said, you know, this is Dr. Burt calling from Northwestern. i about fainted." (laughs) He said, Carrie, I don't know if I can help you, but I'd like to try. And my husband and I packed up and we went to Chicago with our son, you know, Dr. Bird, it was funny because I met with Dr. Balabana first and he looked at me and he looked at my MRIs and he said, there's only one other brain I've seen that looks like yours. And he said, um, I'm going to be honest. He said that, you know, she's not here. (laughs) Okay. And I knew that the statistics on tumor effective MS were not good because when I talked to the MS society about it, they had nothing at that point they could give me. Um, they, the people had died. They said it was a one in 20 million statistic. It's kind of an anomaly. We don't know a lot about it. We don't know a lot about the brain, yada, yada, blah, blah. Well, when I talked to Dr. Balabianov, he said, well, you go see Dr. Burt. He said, but if, if you're not accepted, um, I want you to come back and do high dose, high toxin with me. Well, I got to Dr. Burt's and, and it, you know, it's funny when you meet Dr. Burt, he's, he's a little icy at first, oh, you know, Yeah, Dr. And, and then, then you get to meet him and we start talking and my son warms him up and we're chatting and he's like, I don't know if I can help you. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, I understand. I said, but I really, really would like you to try. And then the phone rings and it's Dr. Balabanoff And he's talking to Dr. Burt and he goes, we both want to try. Mm. And he looked at me. He goes, I want to take you into the program off study. Yeah. Well, he goes, yeah. Cause you don't he, fit
0: the parameters of his
1: call. And he told me, he goes, listen, he goes, I'm going to be honest. He goes, we did one other tumor effective patient. He goes, and I can't put you in touch with her. And so he didn't have to say any more than that. Right. I knew that it didn't go well. And he said, but I'm going to try. Yeah. And he did. And I went in for the transplant. Um, When I got back to the Cleveland Clinic to talk to my brain tumor specialist there, who within that year quit the Cleveland Clinic because he was fed up. He goes, Carrie, you go. He goes, you did this. You made it happen. These are the best doctors in the world. And you go. You go and all my doctors in Cleveland got on board with me who Good. were there for me. Good. And my neurologist, who's funny, he used to work at the Cleveland Clinic, but then he opened a private practice. He goes, Carrie, I don't know anything about this. He said, but you have fought so hard. And he goes, if you believe that this is the answer, he goes, I'm behind you. And he looked at me, he goes, you saved your own life. He goes, you do this. And so I did. And that family doctor who didn't believe me at first, you know, Mm -hmm. he even called me, you know, in the hospital when they found out I had the brain tumors and he goes, Carrie, I'm sorry, you were right. I was wrong. He was on board with me. They all were. Well, yeah. I don't know how he would live with himself at this point. You know, and and it it was so funny because these people like got behind me and they were there for me. And then, you know, we had to do the fundraisers. I said, my friends threw a fundraiser for me and then Um, there was one other fundraiser that the, um, my, my husband's a veteran, my dad's a veteran, my stepdad's a veteran. They had a very big fundraiser for me and, you know, I had Medicare, which Medicare approved me. Um, the private insurance was kind of giving us problems. And then we had a private insurance switch in the middle of it. (laughs) Oh, it was, that's a nightmare, but it ended up helping me pay my deductibles. It helped me pay for my room, um, it ended up the money that we made, you know, paid for so much that I only had to come up with like maybe ten thousand dollars, and which was amazing for yeah, me. Amazing. Um, it was such an amazing experience being there, and um, I don't know. I, I I I I'm here. You know, it, yeah. I can't say anymore. I mean, they saved my life. I'm here. It is absolutely
0: so, amazing to be able to talk with you and hear your you story.
1: Know, It to me, um, yes, I do receive IVIG, and it's funny because Dr. Burt's like, Well, you're gonna stop the IVIG, right? And I looked at him, I said, No, he goes, What do you mean? I said, Well, I said, this was an 80% mini transplant. I said, I understand that. I said, I still have my core self, so I still have an Ig disorder. I didn't take on someone else's immune system, I still have my immune system, yes. We dropped my immune system out with Cytoxin to reboot it, but I still have that IG disorder. I still have Sjogren's. My Sjogren's went into remission for almost eight months, but that came back, but my brain masses haven't come back. Wonderful. So for me, I look at it as, okay, yes, I'll be on IVIG the rest of my life. And it does help my inflammation. It does help, you know, um, every other problem I have, you know, it helps any of the pain that I have, you know, I have 12 years. I had probably 10 to 12 years of damage before I even got to see Dr. Burke. Sure. So for me, you know, I know I have lifestyle issues and changes, but I'm here and I got to see my son turn 18. That was, that, that was my goal. My goal was seeing my son turn 18 and I did, and he's going to college. And you need another that, goal. You need another yeah, goal. That's well, long term. You know what? I am. I'm making that. But for me, everything was in short increments. Sure. It's so funny too, because, you know, I think if you listen to that voice in your head, and I think we all have it. Sometimes we listen, sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went through my divorce and I bought this little house and I'm living in this little house and... I had this man say to me who was a financial planner. He said, Carrie, don't take death insurance out. He goes, hey, if you die, he goes, you know, you don't have any kids. You're by yourself. He goes, who cares if your house is paid off? He goes, take out disability insurance. And I did. And I became disabled at 28. Amazing. It made my house payment for three years. Wow. You know, the things that I did that led me to where I am kept a roof over my head. And then when I met my husband, I have now, you know, he, you know, we've been together for 15 years. You know, he was, my son was so little when we got together and, you know, um, he is an amazing person. He has never wavered. He has carried me through this. He has been a great dad to my son. Um, he has been an amazing person and, and my son's dad is in the picture. You know, we, we all work together and I, I don't think I could have a better support group, you know, with my family and my friends. It, I think that's the key to having people who are there for you.
0: Oh my gosh, it's so critical and amazing that you had such a team of support through all of this, even in your you know, small community.
1: You know, and it's funny because you know you you seem to be able, you know, if and especially because I'm so Type A, I'm very um, I'm very like driven and I was in the hospital bed and I'm on the phone with the insurance companies bitching. And and my husband's like, you need to rest. And I'm like, well, you're not going to do this for me. I'm like, you don't need, I'm like, you don't even know what to say. I'm like, just let me handle this. I said, and then I could get rest. I'm like, I have to handle this. And I'm like, listen, you need to be covering this. You cannot just not cover this. You know, I'm like, you, you need to help me. And even with social security, when I first got sick, I'm like, I don't want help from anybody. This is, I have a business. And I figured, hey, I'm going to wake up from brain surgery and I'm, I'm going back to work. Well, here I am. I can't even tie my shoes. I don't, I don't know how to follow a par—a paragraph. And then I found out I'm pregnant and I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I was afraid to drive my car. I went, I went from this million mile an hour girl to someone who was tra- literally trapped in her house and pregnant. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, I'm, I'm afraid to leave my house. I, my whole outlook of life changed in a day and I was terrified. Yeah. Once I you really, find out
0: you're pregnant, it's like your focus you know, becomes it all was, on
1: It was life. so scary. It was, I, w- I went through so much PTSD through it because I was, this independent strong person, you know, I lived in Canada for six years. I would get in my car and drive back to see my friends. I would come back to the States. I couldn't drive across town. I was afraid I was going to have a seizure. Right. I, I felt like I was a prisoner in my home ultimately and didn't know I was in so much pain. And I, I felt like, I, I really felt like it made me, um, first it made me a, a basket case. And then it made me a better person. It made me a person who could accept, hey, I don't have a lot of money this week, but I have food. It made me a person accept, oh my God, thank God I can see still. It made me a person that, hey, I don't need this, but I have this. Isn't
0: it amazing I where you can find gratitude?
1: It, yeah. And and for me, the gratitude in in having a roof over my head, a car to drive and a healthy existence that might not be perfect, but I'm still here. Mm. And my, you know, and my parents are alive and my son's alive and my husband's alive. It, it, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. You know, it, it made me, I think it made me a better person. It made me a more understanding person, but it also made me a very black and white person which I kind of was before. And everyone, everyone's entitled to have pain. You know, everyone's entitled to their own pain and the way they, deal with it and the way they feel. But sometimes I'm not as tolerant to people who complain about a hangnail or complain (laughs) about something minor, but I don't feel the need to share my story with everyone. Um, you know, to be like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're worried about a needle poke getting blood done today because yeah, it it, maybe it's the worst pain they've ever had. Um, but sometimes I do get a little intolerant and I, I might get a little snippy, you know, you have faced death twice at least right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you have had to
0: have these conversations and um, settling in the mind that most people might have to face once in their life, let alone twice. It's just phenomenal, the courage and insight that you've been able to gain in this experience. (laughs) I think making
1: peace with death was a big thing for me as well, because people people are afraid of death. Um, you know, my, my mom is someone who had a real hard time when my grandmother fell very ill and I'm the one who would sit with my grandmother and she's like, Carrie, I need you to put this, this, and this together for me to wear at my funeral. I know what's coming. And, and we talked and I made sure her wishes were granted. I did everything she needed. Did I want to do that? No, but I I knew she wasn't going to live forever. And we made peace with that. And I told my mom, I said, mom, you don't, I understand you can't do this. I said, it's okay. I can. I said, because I've made peace with that. And I said, I know, I said, I know in my heart. And I said, I know in my mind and my soul that we're still here. And I said, and she's still here and I feel her and my grandmother is here. I feel her every day. I don't feel that we just die and we're, we're either burnt or in the ground and we're gone. I feel that our soul lives on and I don't feel like that death is, is the end. I've never felt like that. And I had made peace with it um, with my talks with God. And I'm not someone who goes to church twice a week. I'm not that person, but I'm a very spiritual person. And I do believe in God, I do believe that He is there. Um, and I do believe that my grandparents are watching over me I, I believe that they're my guardian angels um, I I believe so many things so strongly at this point that if you don't have faith to get you through you're gonna struggle mm-hmm. um, and I think you have to fight a lot of times to get what you you probably should have already gotten from the insurance company oh my god I think. You know, I think you have to fight for just about everything because it's the ins- I mean, how tragic I mean, yes, is that? It, that and it, it is that tragic
0: has, that you are it, the one that has to lay in the hospital it, bed and be that advocate, right. and fight that fight when you're in the hospital.
1: Yes, and it makes me the sad. Worst time in life, I mean, that's it, atrocious, It's terrible. It's terrible, and and I said to one of my friends the other day, Bonnie, because we talk about insurance, and I said, you know what? I said if everyone did what we had to do, I said insurance would be totally bankrupt in this country Mm. because everyone would be doing it. Everyone would be getting it if they did the right thing. I said, so I really, and I hate saying it, but I do think it's survival of the strongest and the fittest. If you're willing to have a little bit of knowledge and fight, you're going to get what you should have. And if you're willing to speak up for yourself, a doctor does not have your back. No, no one has your back except you. Right. You have your back, and and like you said,
0: they may have been doing their best, maybe, but maybe. for that dentist to turn you away and think he was finished, or for that primary care physician to just send you on your way and tell you, you know, your pain's not real.
1: Yes, and I agree with that. When when the primary care physician did that to me, oh, um, he kind of discounted me. Um, This is this is the funny thing about him. Um, when he did that, that hurt me, and. The thing that saved our relationship was he was the first call I had at Parma Hospital. And he said to me, he goes, Carrie, he goes, I am sorry. He goes, I was wrong. And you were right. He owned it. Which is he so important and, and very he, rare. <laughs> he, very rare, almost unheard of. And a couple of years after that, I started having some heart problems and he was on it. He sent me to a cardiologist. I failed a stress test. I had to go in for a heart cath. He goes, Carrie, you know your body. You listen to it. And he goes, you taught me. And his wife is at the physician as well. And, and they said to me, you taught us. Amazing. You taught us something. We, you know more about things than we do. And they said, you amazed us. And they said, thank you for teaching us. Kudos, that is a doctor. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, a doctor. Now that piece, the piece of, I'm going to call him a piece of shit who did this to my tooth, who did this to me. Yes. I, since I'm a practitioner myself, I don't believe in suing people. I'm not that person. He should have lost his dental practice. And I was so young. I didn't know who to use for an attorney. And I used the wrong person. And they're like, well, we have to sign off on the brain tumor part. I'm like, why? And my case is still open in, in court, actually, it, it is. I could still go back on this, but they had me sign off on a critical part of that case. And Dr. Burt also said to me, you know, this definitely was caused from the dental mal- mm-hmm. malpractice, mm-hmm. And, and so did Dr. Balabanov. And this is what imploded your immune system. This is why it passed the blood-brain barrier. He goes, the people don't normally survive from dental infections. He said, but that was the demise of your immune system. Uh. Yeah. And so well, they have proven
0: he, like MS is usually yes, caused by an infection of some sort.
1: There's a catalyst. There's a catalyst. And tumefactive MS, there definitely is a catalyst. Now, I've met two other people now from all these forums with HSCT that have had tumefactive MS. And they're, you know, over in the UK. Um, and it was amazing because there was catalyst. And that man should not be practicing. He got away with it. I got, you know, and, and whether I got a dollar or $10 million, he took my career away. He took yeah. my practice away. He ruined my life. Yeah. But in, in ruining my career, it enabled me to be here and raise a child that I never would have slowed down to do that. So I had to take that anger and turn it into something positive because if I didn't, it would have destroyed me. That's quite the transformation. Um, For me. Am I still angry Of course there's a part of me that's always going to be angry but if I didn't allow myself to forgive me for that anger and and and, and I don't I, I can't say I forgive him I'll never forget what he did to me and I, I didn't want him to do that to someone else and I think in the back of my mind sometimes I do still want to bring it to light and we did that the special that's going to be airing um, with Amazon and I hope that they don't edit the name out because I use his name. And if he wants to sue me for slander, go ahead. I'll stand out there with a the picket sign at his office. I don't care. I, I'm at the point with him, you have nothing to take from me. What are you going to take from me? You, you, you took my career. You, you, know, you took the things that I thought made me me, but what really made me me was being a parent and being a fighter and an advocate you know, I went 10 years so alone because I knew nobody who had this type of disorder. I didn't even know what was wrong with me. I felt, I felt like an anomaly. I didn't know what happened. Now I do. Now I do have a couple friends that understand, but he took so much from a young person that, and he didn't care. And I think that's what he's still practicing. He's, I believe he's still practicing. Yes. So to make long story short with him, um, He's out of my life obviously. I do not um want anything to do with him, but uh, he probably will come up in the interview I did have um that's going to be aired on Amazon.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, well, in We're that interview. <laughs> you're ta- well, it's such an important
1: it's such an important practice to be able to
0: package up those negative experiences and work with them when you're ready, right? To try to process right. that trauma and not spend too much time with it. And then able yeah. to move on in a healthy way and, and know you do. That, that trauma still is there and it will still affect it, you. Like you said, correct. you're never going like, to forget this.
1: Just like Vietnam, those people have trauma, yes. you know, any, any veteran, anyone who has had a trauma, you, you know, I went two years of counseling and you know what? The thing I learned from counseling is, Hey, it was kind of nice to talk to people, but I don't want to keep reliving it. And so I learned to compartmentalize things myself. Yeah. And go on with my daily life. I have to have a daily life. I have to find beauty in every day. And mm. and that's what I I do find now.
0: Wonderful. And it's such a tough practice. And I'm so glad you learned that with supportive You therapist. have to. Yeah. yeah, you have to.
1: And and there's so many beautiful things around you. With all the ugly, you can't find beauty. Mm. So so that's how I feel.
0: Thank you for sharing that inspiration. That's powerful in and of itself. Um I'm curious, though, about your most memorable experience with HSCT, aside from it saving your life and Dr. Burt calling you himself. That's amazing.
1: It, it, oh, God, that was so amazing. I think, okay, my, my one of my funniest things there um, was my love of Argo tea. I'm going to say Argo tea, Argo tea, Argo tea. I love Trentis so much that um, I would send my husband down every day to get me a darn Argo tea. And... <laughs> I loved that Dr. Burt would allow me to bring my homeopathy with me. Mm. I developed wasabi nose like immediately when the chemotherapy started and he, I had my arsenicum with me, which my homeopathy is on the phone with me. She's like, take that, take that. And I'm like, Dr. Burt, he goes, go ahead. And it stopped my wasabi nose. Amazing. And he totally let me do my homeopathy through my whole treatment, which I loved. Um, because even with my nausea, um, Now, nothing was working on my nausea there. Um, He actually had to get an old medicine called Kytrel, which finally stopped my vomiting. But it was amazing to me. And Dr. Burt said to me, the most autoimmune sick people are gonna feel great on Cytoxin." And I remember putting a mask on after chemotherapy and going to a museum with my husband and my son. And I was like, I probably shouldn't be here because I know like, I'm really sick. And I remember throwing up and then going, "Oh, but I feel great." Was this and running after, around? Was this during mobilization? Be- yes, because I felt awesome. I wow. and Doctor. Burt's like, "I told you." <laughs> he goes, "You would feel great," and I did. I felt so good having chemotherapy, and I it was crazy to me that something that's so poisonous would make you feel so good because you're so sick. And feeling the validation that my God, this this is finally here that they believe how sick I am and, and he sees it and he knows. So having the validation meant a lot to me. I had, I actually knew someone at Prentice, uh, who was a cousin of someone from Ohio and she would come to see me every day. And I loved her. She was a nurse over at Prentice and she would visit me. Um, I made wonderful friends. Um, the one housekeeper that, um, I met at Prentice would, she was so nice. We talked about makeup because I, you know, did cosmetics with Victoria's Secret. I did them with um, Chanel and Lancome. She would come in and get makeup tips, and then she would she brought me a beautiful gift from Disney. I still have it.
0: Mm.
1: I made such great relationships. It was so amazing. And then I made two good friends, my one friend Rachel Savage and my one friend Holly Hunter. She um Holly had scleroderma and she was a physician. And they didn't know if Holly was even going to be accepted into the transplant and holly and dr burt really put their heads together and he he took her in and holly almost didn't make it through the transplant and she did though she through the trouble she had dr burt pulled her through and she's still alive and her Mm. scleroderma was very very advanced and holly's doing great And my friend, my friend, Rachel, who lives in Kentucky and um, Holly lives in California. My friend, Rachel was very early, maybe two years into her MS. And she had optic neuritis severely. She had a transplant and she never looked back. She has a beautiful family. She had her kids. She is working as a physician's assistant. She is a firecracker. Nice. And during the transplant, she... We, we laughed at her because she ended up with that VRE and they moved her. We called her to the dirty side of the unit. <laughs> we were teasing her. We were calling her dirty girl, dirty girl. And so we couldn't go over to see her. And we would all try to meet up like at the one like, communal area and all get together. Well, you know, she wasn't allowed by us. And she was so hysterical within the time frame before we even left. She was running on the treadmill two miles. Amazing. And I'm like, Rachel, oh my God. And she goes, I feel so good. I feel so good. <laughs> and by the time she got home, she she was amazing. And we went to see her a couple of years ago at her house in um, Kentucky. And seeing her beautiful family and seeing her, it. I just, I was in tears because she is, she is HSCT. You know, catching it so early like that yes. and getting into that transplant, so you know, It was amazing, and he gave her her life back. She has not had any symptoms, nothing, and and I see that with so many people that they don't need any adjunct medication. There's nothing they need. They they can go on with nothing, and I talk to people and try to give them like, hey, even if you got two or three years with no medication, you you made it, right? Because to me, this is giving us time. I don't know how much time it's giving us time. It's, you know, I'm never going to say I don't have MS cause I do. Right. But I am going to say I had a treatment that's keeping me into remission right now. Mm. And, and I believe the IVIG with me really helps, but I also have a different disorder. You know, right. I have combined variable immune deficiency and MS. Right. But she, you know, seeing these people come through it without a cane, you know, without, um, walking aids with, with them healing. And I do believe it's a two year healing process. I do think you get benefits for up to two years. And if that suppresses your immunity to kick this out of your system, my God, what, what could be better? Right. Right. What can be better? Oh my God. Like it's given us so much time. Well, and so when so, was your transplant? Like what is your stem cell birthday? So don't know my, I have to go back. I have to go back to my records, but August was my in August was my actual stem cell birthday. And I remember, I don't know if it was August 9th, maybe, I don't know, in 2010. So it was around that time. And then I was home in September. And when I got home in September, I couldn't take any of the transplant meds. I was allergic to all of them. I couldn't take any of the sulfas. I couldn't take any of the Valtrex. And I couldn't take any of the Diflucan. It made my liver go crazy. Mm. So Dr. Burt sent me home with nothing. I was sent home with no meds, except my seizure meds that I've always taken. And um, Dr. Burt's like, just wear a mask. Yeah. Well, and don't, don't, and don't touch dirt Right, and it's don't good. do this.
0: Yeah. It's good. You and, were comfortable in your tiny house, right?
1: Um, yeah. Well, the funny thing is I walked into my house and I had dogs. He knew I had dogs and I broke out in hives from head to toe. And I'm like, Oh no, oh, right, no I freaked it, my out. Dog. you know, it, and I was right off to my immunologist and I had to start steroids and I was like, crap. And I'm like, these aren't going to work for me, but they did. And, um, got the hives under control. Um, within three weeks, I was hive free and I was okay with my dogs. But then within like three or four months, I went neutropenic and had to go back on nupogen. But then after that, um, I was okay, but my counts never like, My white count never really recovered. I mean, it recovered enough, but I'm still hovering between three and four. I'm at like at five or six or seven. I could imagine. Um, Sometimes certain things can suppress you. You know, I I am on a biologic. You know, uh, of course, it's not like I'm taking Humira or something. IVIG is like the gold standard because I'm getting I'm getting pure you know plasma. So you know, the platelets we get, it's it's very purified. I. I do feel very safe on the treatment, you know, but again, I have to do, I do take 15 milligrams of steroids once a month. I do take um, a huge IV bag and I take Odanzatron once a month. Sometimes I take it more than once a month because IVIG can make you nauseous. I think overall I am a super successful. And they did put me in JAMA um, in Dr. Burt's study that Wonderful. there was one, tum- one tumor effective patient. <laughs> that was me. Um, and it, it's pretty cool. You know, that I think it's really pretty cool. cool. Yeah. You know, and I did go back to see him as a nine-year follow-up this year, which was so cool because I had just met Anna and Anna's like, Hey, I'm going in and I was having some symptoms. So I was kind of worried and I had some, like a little minor change in my MRI. Um, and Dr. Burt's like, you should have had your MRI here. He goes, that was a crappy MRI and you're <laughs> fine. He goes, you look fine. Amazing. And so, Dr. Balabanoff and Dr. Burt like were so wonderful. And um it was me, Anna Weiss, and Bonnie McKenzie. We all went together. And, you know, Anna's reports were great. Um, Bonnie, she went to clinical Ruiz, but we all went together and we just had um a, a really great time, you know, and, and we actually got to sit down and talk to Dr. Burt for a half hour. That's like unheard of. It was wonderful, and we just had a great conversation. And I really just, I owe them so much. I, every year when it's Christmas time, I write them these great letters and I'm like, thank you for giving me another year because that's how I feel. I feel like they've all given me another year. Each year I'm here. It's, I'm so grateful that I've had another year, another (laughs) chance at life. Yeah. Another chance at being here, you know? And like I said, every day you might be crappy one day or in a bad mood, but every day, I, you know, I don't have horses anymore. I have my dogs, but I do go outside and I love birds now. And I love like, you know, all the wildlife And my yard is like this, you can call it like Bambi's castle. I have deer. I have all this stuff in my yard and I go sit outside and I feed the animals and the birds hear me and they come out and the deer come up like really close to me. And if one's hurt, I always end up nursing it back to health. I even raised a bird that would, that was hurt and would fly to me. So like the animals know, like I'm so like in tune with the animals and I love them. And it just, I feel. Well, extending healing, right? You know, yeah, it is to me because I feel like I, I have a gift of, um, just being in tune with certain things and in tune with my body and in tune, even with my son, it's, it's strange. We'll, we'll be driving down the road and we'll cross each other at the same time. And we laugh because we're so in tune. And I think that's part of one of the reasons we, we do find medical treatment and we do find, Hey, this is what's going on with me. This is what I need to do. Because when you're in tune with your body and your senses, I think you could find ways to you're going to find a way to get better. You're going to, or or manage at least, you know, you're not going to say, Oh, I'll, I'll do this another day. You're, you're going to fight to get better.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're connected in so many meaningful ways in the universe with your son, with your grandparents, with your community. It's just such an honor to share your story.
1: It means a lot to me. Um, it means a lot to, you know, to pick up a little animal that's suffering and and give back, you know, to help it, it means a lot that if someone doesn't have food to be able to say, Hey, let me buy you dinner. I want to do that because when I felt like I had nothing, people, were there for me. They, they gave to me. And if I can do that for someone or make someone smile, you know, or help somebody, then I want to do that. Um, to me, that's, that's what life's about. Well, yeah, Um, you're healing yourself and doing, you know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like mean spirited people. I have no tolerance for them and I'm kind of a bold speaking person and I let them know, <laughs> um, I don't like mean people and, you know, I don't have time for that in my life. No, and life is really, too short. If, if that's the way you want to be, then you have, you have no space to be in, in, in my space. You know, I want people who are there to be decent and be good and want good for other people and not be selfish and take, um, do something good for someone, write them a note, thank them. You know, how hard is it to pen a thank you letter? How, Mm -hmm. how easy is that to say thank you for being there for me? Gratitude is just such a healing practice. You know, and it doesn't even have to be a financial thing. You know, maybe you don't have five bucks to put a Starbucks gift card in or, or, you know, but maybe it's, a handwritten letter with something sweet, you know, in there, it could be a flower, you know, that you're handing to your neighbor. I don't care. You know, something that shows gratitude to me is one of the biggest gifts that you can give back. Yeah. Well, it's a great way to just even connect
0: with the community and and, your, and your own sense of self,
1: you know, and connecting with you has been wonderful. You know, again, I feel like I have people now where for 10 years I had nobody. Mm. I felt very alone and people looked at me like, what do you have? What is this? Like almost yeah. like I was lying and I'm like, no, I have something very strange. And you go to all these appointments and they're poking you and they're doing spinal taps and they're prodding you. And I've had so many spinal taps and so many biopsies and cuts and and I, at the, I'm at the point I don't want to be touched. And I have like a lot of PTSD going to dentists now and I can very, imagine. you know, it, it's kind of like, don't touch me anymore. And I psych myself up like going to IVIG, you know, all those nurses and girls are wonderful. And I'm just like, okay, there you go. Here's my arm, you know, but when you see someone who doesn't know your story, you're almost like, oh God, don't, don't touch me. Cause I don't even want to tell you my story. You know, I'll start the IV myself. <laughs> yeah, right, It's a long one. <laughs> you know. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but yeah, I do think it gave me a clarity. Um, it it really set me up to advocate for my son um, and get him on the IVIG because he um, had hypergammaglobulinemia. He was born with that. But his immune system tanked after a vaccine. And I was very, very cheesy on vaccines with him. I didn't do them all. Um, but he was going to go to Greece with his father. And the doctor's like, I'd really like him to get a meningitis vaccine. And we did a menactra vaccine and it almost killed him. Oh my goodness. Um, 13 days were the side effect days, you know, one to 13 on the day 13, he came down with all meningitis symptoms and the hospital masked up. They took him in. They thought he had meningitis and it was a vaccine reaction. Oh my goodness! He, yeah, he developed widespread inflammation. Um, he was screaming high fever. His head was on fire. Um, ended up going down his esophagus, he lost 30 pounds. Mm. And I took him to the immunologist, and it blew out all of his titers. He had nothing. And he will be on IVIG the rest of his life. Wow. And that that pretty much saved him. I mean, he had nothing, he has no titers to anything, and, and they can never do another vaccine on him again. So he wanted to go to the military after high school that they won't, they wouldn't take him. And, um, so he kind of changed things, you know, he's, he's starting Acron U for cybersecurity, something else he could, you know, work for the government, you know, things like that. But the biggest thing is medical care. He has to have medical coverage. So for us, eh, medical, medical is what keeps us going. Yeah. I mean, don't we all deserve that? In this country. Yeah. In this country, it's the biggest thing, keeping medical over our heads, you know, and and keeping a roof over our head and keeping medical. (laughs) And we make it work. Yeah. You know, well, I, yeah.
0: And somehow you graciously carry the burden of all the stress you, associated you with You do.
1: You do. Because at eight, at eighteen, this happened to him at sixteen. So for him, it's a little different because he's still processing it. And it 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 caused a lot of anxiety for him. But he went from sixteen to like thirty-five overnight. And you know, imagine. he dealt with yeah. well, he you know, dealing with his mom being sick and then then him, he's like, Oh my gosh. He's like, really? And now, yeah. And, and I think now he's, at the older he gets, he's learning that, okay, this is the cards I've been dealt. And I try to, it. it's hard to push that on an 18 year old. Be happy you can see, be happy you can hear, be happy you're in a country with medical. And these are the things I constantly say to him. And I do think it gets through, but your mom's saying it. Your mom is repeating it. Right. You know, oh God, mom, you know. So I do think, the gratitude cuz he's very very like empathetic he loves animals like me he's and and empathy you know sometimes empathy causes sappiness and sadness and i told him i said be empathetic but also be strong mm. you know i said take it from your mom i said we can crawl out of the gutter and and make it you know yeah right well yeah so, you've
0: proven that time and time again yeah.
1: yeah so that's that's kind of my story in a nutshell oh,
0: i wish we had hours to hear more details <laughs> right and Well, it's, you know, I, I appreciate you doing it at this point. Right. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. you are in the present moment living life to its fullest. And that is
1: so inspiring. Well, I appreciate you. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me and finally, like just saying to someone, Hey, thanks. Thanks for listening. And thanks for being there. Thanks for being a friend, a warrior, someone who is getting our word out people who believe in us, people who are there for us, you know, we're all together in this. We are, and, we're a family. Yeah, and I, I, I believe that. It's and so great um, finally connecting with you. You know, I think you're a fabulous person. And again, I appreciate you uh, taking the time with me.
0: Oh, you're so kind to say so. I really appreciate yeah. you taking the time to share all of the details well, of your journey. Thank you. I mean, talk about Warrior Strong. You have been such an inspiration.
1: Thank you. I I appreciate it. And I think we all have our story, you know, we all have had our days and i'm just grateful to be alive. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, i'm you know. so grateful you're alive here to share your story. You know, and i'm here if, if anyone needs help, if anyone needs navigation, i'm here for them. So, thank you for
0: being there you know, for others, you and know. sharing your story to lift others up and share that hope and awareness. It's you well, know, thank you too. It's been an amazing experience just connecting with you today. Well, thank you. Be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Alitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been great to connect with Warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment, share your story. We'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime... We hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well.